Perspective this week, we're looking at Manx Wildlife Week. Ever been entertained by the joy of moss? No, not John Moss, the green fluffy stuff. Or ever fancied an adult-only stream-dipping event? I'm joined by Michelle Haywood, MHK, from Biosphere Isle of Man, Graham Makepeace Warren from the Manx Wildlife Trust, Laura McCoy from Manx National Heritage, and Roger Banks-Jones from Friends of the Neb. I began by asking Roger why he likes bashing balsam. Uh, well, Himalayan balsam is a, an invasive species that... Um, is distributed around the island um, and predominantly it's around watercourses. Um, Friends of the Neb was set up uh, with the aim of trying to manage Himalayan balsam in the Neb Valley um, as a pilot that could be uh, duplicated on other watercourses. Um, so it's been a matter of identification, um, volunteers um, pulling the balsam plants and getting rid of them appropriately. Um, and, well, that's really where we're at from, you know, for the moment. And, and you know, from a, uh, a, um, an ignorant person's uh, perspective, it's a nice little flower. Why, why is it such a problem? Um, it's a problem because it outcompetes native plants. Um, it also... Uh, causes uh, a lack of um, vegetation on the edges of watercourses, uh, which can lead to um, erosion of the banks of the streams or watercourses um, whenever um, it's out of season. So you get these massive great root systems forming with the Himalayan balsam in season, uh, outcompeting local vegetation. Then when autumn comes and winter and the heavy rainfall, then there's no root system there to actually hold the banks together. So Peel Marina, for example, will suffer because um, you're going to get a lot more silt coming down the streams. You're also going to get damage to um, the, the banks of the watercourses. So. And, 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 of course, an, another of these invasive species that you're um, interested in in eliminating is uh, Japanese knotweed. Yeah, Japanese knotweed, um, sort of ironically, was introduced in the UK uh, to actually uh, manage erosion. Um, and some <laughs> kind person introduced it here. Um, and unfortunately, it has very similar consequences. Um, but it also uh, is incredibly hard to control, incredibly hard to destroy because uh, it has rhizomes that go underground. Uh, they can reach up to seven meters from the source plant. Um, they can also uh, penetrate concrete. Uh, so there's been a lot of fuss in terms of planning and uh, whether or not properties can be sold because they have got Himalayan balsam on their land. Um, there's lots of debate about that, what's correct and what's not, but that, that's, yeah, it's a problem species. And, and unfortunately for you, uh, we, we've uh, pre-recorded uh, the show, so um, your event, which is taking place yesterday for those listening, um, 
what what uh, what what was happening well the, there are a couple of events there's one that's taking place on saturday or took place on saturday as it were um, which is at the ragga which was to uh show people uh, uh himalayan balsam uh it's uh, at the moment it's incredibly easy and comfortable to actually pick because all you need is a litter picker and a good eye um, and know what you're looking for and the seedlings are just they're, they're about an inch maybe or 2.5 centimeters if you like um, and um, we've, we've had a, a significant amount of success at the ragged um, thanks to a lot of independent volunteers who have known what they're doing um, and have whether they're, they've been out dog walking or going for a social walk or whatever, have, have picked whatever, a handful at a time. Uh, so uh, Saturday's event is familiarisation with Himalayan balsam. There is going to be another event in Foxdale uh, on um, uh, Sunday, the 8th. Sunday the 8th of May at uh, th- uh, 1.30 and that will be familiarization with Japanese knotweed and Himalayan balsam. There's very little Himalayan balsam down at the Rackard. There's loads of Himalayan balsam up at uh, Higher Foxdale. And of course, the, the, the final thing on Japanese uh, knotweed before we move on, the, uh, the, the one thing that we have to be most careful about is not to go through Japanese knotweed with a strimmer, and yeah. particularly not next to a watercourse. Yeah, absolutely. But there's been so much spread and damage, and even moving earth from one place to another, you need to be very wary about where your earth is coming from. Um, that's in a way related to another invasive species, quite different to my particular interest at the moment in terms of New Zealand flatworms and Australian flatworms. If you're getting topsoil, make sure you know where you're getting it from. Make sure it's clear. Because that, that one's going to, well, is spreading, is rife in Foxdale. And of course, uh, Graham, uh, make peace warn, we're, we're, we're talking primarily today about the uh, Manx Wildlife uh, Week. And uh, I think uh, Roger has given us an indication as to uh, some of the invaders who, who seem to quite like our, our territory. Um, but uh, presumably, Manx Wildlife Week is not just about identifying the, the things that we would rather weren't here, but um, rather celebrating the things that are. Absolutely. Um, every week is Manx Wildlife Week for us at Manx Wildlife Trust. Um, but uh, we're really grateful to be working with Manx National Heritage again on this week of events around uh, Manx nature and wildlife. And it is about identification. It's a great opportunity for people to get out with experts, uh, find out uh, about the different species that we have on island um, so that we can record them. Data is really important to the work that we do in conservation. And the more people out there that understand the wildlife that they're seeing can let us know uh, what they're seeing, the more data we have about what species we have here and, and where our efforts are best placed. And, and I noted uh, a... a, a um... A, a news release that uh, came out from the Wildlife Trust talking about the bio blitz, which 
I don't know. Uh, initially, I thought, oh, gosh, what, what, what's the Wildlife Trust suggesting here? Uh, could you tell us a bit, bit more about that? It's an interesting name, isn't it? Um, that's our cherry on the on the cake that is Manx Wildlife Week, I think. So Saturday, 7th of May in Groudle Glen from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. We'll have the whole team from Manx Wildlife Trust there. And we'll be asking the public to walk through the glen, uh, to do rock pooling, to do stream dipping, uh, and basically try and find as many species. We'll create a, a list of species throughout the day um, uh, uh, that uh, basically that is a bioblitz it's a it's a snapshot a one day uh, record of all the species present in that location and even though that's only one day it gives us a really good picture of what's going on in a certain area um Groudleglen's obviously close to Douglas so it's great for people to get there but it's also a really interesting site um you know as I've mentioned we've got the sea front there so we can do rock pooling we can even do some diving and snorkeling to do some sea search exercises um we can uh, watch for seabirds we can go into the woodland and do woodland wildflowers and mosses um, we can do stream dipping for freshwater animals um, uh, we can look for fungi there's all sorts of things that we can do in that one location so it's a great opportunity for people to come and talk to different people about different areas of biodiversity and effectively i suppose the message of the manx wildlife trust is that the people of the isle of man should be getting out and and, and enjoying the the sort of the natural environment that we live in absolutely we are part of nature we we don't at manx wildlife trust we don't see nature and people as separate things we're one and the same and in fact we have a, a new team member starting soon hannah is who's our community ranger and her role is going to be to get out there and get people engaging with nature more and doing more in nature and understanding because we know that people care about what they understand so the more we can get people learning about wildlife the more we can get people caring about it we're also joined uh, by laura uh, mccoy from manx national heritage and uh, manx national heritage also very much actively engaged with uh, manx wildlife uh, week um what, what's manx national heritage's role in, in in relation to wildlife on the isle of man um so manx um Max National Heritage started Wildlife Week, so um, it was an initiative started by us because uh, in partnership with DEFA, we had um, um, brought in a piece of software um, which is publicly accessible to help look at and monitor biological data. So it's called the NBN Atlas Isle of Man, and I'm sure if you do a Google search, it'll come up with that. And... um, and although that's an incredible piece of, um, you know, that you uh, software that you can look up online and, and see all of the wonderful things that are found on the Isle of Man historically. So it's not just about what's found today. It's about what's been found since the 1800s. And you can look through um, and, and see all those changes over time. So it's an amazing piece of it's an amazing website. Um, but that's not um, much of a party when you're trying to launch something like that um it's not particularly exciting to a lot of people so we wanted to kind of say well yes biological recording is is super important and and what informs a lot of conservation but um we want to in like graham was saying you know we want to engender people just loving the environment first and to do that we need to get out we need to meet people we need to create that level of enthusiasm and to try and do that um in in a way which reaches as many different groups and as many different levels and um ages as possible so What's lovely about the events for Wildlife Week is that they range from if you've got a higher level of interest and, and maybe you're already quite knowledgeable through to, you know, 
little tots who just want to go out and play and you don't have to have any prior knowledge or even expectation of nature you just kind of if it's just like oh maybe we we want to do something with the kids um let's go out about and see what's going on and 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 just turn up and have some fun um because we want people to access it on all levels and enjoy it and um what's been great about you know the wildlife trust is that they've really wholeheartedly taken this week on board and and have done loads of events but that it's also supported by so many other local groups ngos um and that they want to also use that week as a way to kind of um launch and and bring highlight to the work that they do hence you know friends of the neb but also the manx bat group um, unesco biosphere um we um have uh, jane prescott who's doing a, a wonderful um sort of um wildflower event and you know jane uh, and that's coming and and it doesn't always have to be about science if that's not really your thing it can be creative it can be artistic you know this all sorts of levels of engagement and And, and of course um you know Manx National Heritage has statutory functions and uh, it it owns vast swathes Mm -hmm. of of land on the Isle of Man so so effectively this is the, the the point of wildlife week is is helping people understand about nature uh, yes, uh, I think the phrase that I used uh, earlier this week was uh, it's the gateway drug to getting uh, nature. <laughs> so uh, we hope that even if somebody just pops along because they haven't got anything better to do that day, that they may, um, as I do every day, discover something really cool that they get enthusiastic about and go, oh, God, I never knew that. And then, you know, that might end up that they just, even if they just favourably look upon something when they read it in the newspaper or um, go and see something that w- they wouldn't have normally gone to see or, you know, it's, it's all that it's about. Um, uh, you know, I, I want people to not feel intimidated and say, oh, I've never done anything like that before. I'm not going to turn up to that or oh, what's in it for me? Because aside from interesting, it's it's fun, it's engaging. Um, and, and I would sort of challenge anybody to go to any one of these events and, and not think, oh, that was actually a, not a waste of my time. I really enjoyed that. Um even if it's just to meet other people and and just get out there, have some fresh air, feel better. Absolutely, and, and of course there is. I mean, I I, I was up uh, a couple of mornings uh, this week, uh, getting the the ground ready because uh, the the rain that we've had uh, um, overnight has 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 been a great help to the vegetable garden, and it's fantastic. You know, about seven o'clock in the morning, out in the fresh air, and the the birds all singing and discovering other elements of. Uh, uh, Manx wildlife, like the midges, have started. Uh, that was that was a, a great find at uh, quarter past seven. Um, but uh, but M- Michelle uh, Hayward, your uh, MHK and officer uh, MHK responsible for for all of this. Um, why why is it um, you know what wh- why is the government uh, engaged with Manx Wildlife Week? Is it should surely government's got better things to do with its time? No, it's a it's a Manx National Heritage led project with the Manx Wildlife Trust. Um, our involvement comes because it, it ties in very neatly with some of the UNESCO biosphere and um, things, which government does take responsibility for. Um, and so the the sort of two aspects of biosphere about uh, conserving uh, the environment and and learning and the education aspect fit really neatly into into Wildlife Week. So DEFA's interest really is is around. You know, obviously we know that Manx National Heritage and Manx Wildlife Trust will do a, a fantastic job on what they're organising and then we're contributing to that on a sort of wider cultural level.
I, I remember when when I was uh, still uh, involved in politics, trying to sell this to to farmers and fishermen, and they were saying, uh, "We we we don't expect more standards and and uh, regulations to be imposed on us. Uh, you know, this is this is not right." And of course, the whole point of the biosphere uh, recognition that we eventually got uh, was uh, recognizing just how how well. Um, many farmers and uh, fishermen were actually interacting with the environment and and this is what it's all about isn't it the biosphere reserve it's not it's not just about the the the, the, you know, the biodiversity this is about uh, how people interact with uh, the biosphere yeah i think it's a common misconception for biosphere that everyone hears the term biosphere and thinks oh this is just the the tree huggers going out there and saying what you can't do but what biosphere recognizes is the people in the the context and, and so that influence that you've had on the land over years um, and how it's been conserved. And, you know, farmers are not cavalier about their land. They have to manage their land well. Otherwise, they won't be farming in five years' time or ten years' time. So they've been doing what we'd now kind of identify as conservation-related activities for, for years. And the idea of the biosphere is really, really to celebrate all that's special about the culture and the history and the people within that environment um and so it's all tied together um and in some ways it kind of almost hampers people understanding biosphere that it does have that almost seemingly has that focus on environment and conservation whereas actually the whole mix that comes in uh, are you going to have a, a chance to go and visit the marine environment during manx wildlife week uh, i've actually got plans tomorrow we there was um uh, an observation made last year by some of the divers that there were an incredible number of sea hares and for anyone who doesn't know they're about somewhere between four and six inches long brown with purple spots which sounds like i've just made them up but they are <laughs> one of the largest sort of um, sea slugs that we find around the isle of man and around st george's day last year everyone was commenting on how many of these were present and so being sciencey by background so right in that case let's survey it so we've got a couple of survey runs that we're going to go back and repeat. It's around about the same time of year. The water temperature is the same. Day length is about the same. So the other other factors being there. My guess is I've not seen very many this year and nobody's remarking on them. But it will be nice to have the And as we were saying earlier, it's having that data to know. We don't know why these things are sometimes there in huge numbers and, and sometimes there in less. But we'll. I'm hoping that I'll get out on Saturday afternoon and go out and, and do a survey with the divers measure those levels and then we can compare and start building that database year on year. You're listening to Michelle Haywood, MHK, Graham Makepeace Warren from the Manx Wildlife Trust, Laura McCoy from Manx National Heritage and Roger Banks-Jones from Friends of the Neb. Manx National Heritage is the, the sort of the, the initiator of this Manx Wildlife Week, so I imagine that means you've got quite a few events planned uh, well, we um, we do have a few events planned ourselves, um, but we do also use it as a week to try and offer an easy platform for the much smaller organisations that run conservation on the Isle of Man. So, um, because, you know, if, if you're an organisation of, say, only one person, like Friends of the Neb, uh, having that platform, that extra advertising, uh, is, is a really big help to you trying to put forward your cause um so that's what we also try and do and also to kind of give some focus uh, to people so although we are doing a couple of events so we're doing wildflower seed paper making so our paper conservator emma lacornu uh she's going to be hosting that uh, she's a very skilled um 
paper conservator, which for the uninitiated means somebody that cares for and repairs um, ancient documents or, well, they don't have to be ancient, they can be contemporary, but say damaged that we use in our archives and libraries um, at Manxham National Heritage. But she's also just incredibly knowledgeable about that medium in itself. And we thought that it would just be a nice event because, as I was saying before, Manxham Wildlife Week isn't just about doing something sciencey which might not always play to everybody's strengths sometimes it can just be creative and meditative and and nice so uh, that so that's one of the events um i'm also going to be doing a, a couple of tours behind the scenes at um in at manx national heritage at the museum so that's a chance for people to look in my drawers uh, as i like to say uh, <laughs> and cupboards <laughs> and uh, because i think a lot of people don't fully appreciate that museums although you come in and you see our lovely galleries and all the nice things that we have out on display but for what for the what you see on display we've probably got 10 times if not 20 100 times more back in the stores and um and we swap things out and rotate things and use them for exhibitions and and also just um collect them because it's our statutory responsibility to care for the history and the culture of the isle of man and um through objects and and so uh, I like to be able to open that up to people so that they can appreciate that um, it's yes, exhibitions and, and galleries are, are a part of what we do, but there's a much bigger impact behind the scenes that uh, and, and I think a lot of people love seeing that and and you've seen that with the popularization of, of museum programs on television uh, people love to to have a look at what we actually get up to and um, yeah, they can come and check it out. The, the the great elk and the, and the big uh, skeleton of the whale mm. are uh, are things that people would notice as mm. uh, as um, uh, natural history exhibits. Mm. Um, but uh, are, are either of those your favourite exhibit, or is there another particular favourite that you have, or is this a really difficult question that you don't know how to answer? Uh, it, it that's very difficult. Um, I think probably one of my favourite things is a collection of beetles. Um, <laughs> So uh, on the tour, one of my favourite things to show is uh, a draw of very, very tiny beetles. Uh, some of them, some of our um, visitors might not even be able to see if their eyesight isn't too good um, because they're incredibly small. Um, and I think they're a wonderful way to highlight that um, possibly a lot of people mainly only appreciate the things that they can see easily you know birds and and, and the like um but that actually the natural world is built up of this enormous network um and that even very small things um are a vital part of our our continued existence because it all links together and, and some of those very small things can have massive impacts on us so presumably you and the paper conservation person that we were talking about earlier, uh, you, you come into conflict because you're, you're there trying to encourage these little beetles to go and eat the books and the paper conservator is, is, is trying to stop that. Well, um, well, uh, there are more <laughs> types of beetle uh, on Earth than I think any other um, group of species. Uh, they're very varied. There are very few that would attack our um, collections, although there are some, and yes, they are a nightmare. And, 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 and the beetles come and eat my collection too. I mean, sometimes you get the beetles eating <laughs> beetles. It's a, you know, there's a, it's a, a conflict there. But uh, yes, uh, no, it's all right. Um, Emma and I don't have fisticuffs at dawn. 
Graham, then, uh, from the Manx Wildlife Trust's uh, perspective, I mean, what what are the big events that uh, that you're wanting to promote this week? Uh, they're all big events. So we started off this morning with uh, a spring walk through Kuldari with our reserves officer Tricia. Um, Kuldari is a, a lovely woodland reserve, which is beautiful at this time of year with all the spring flowers coming through. Um, so uh, that was this morning, but it's always open freely to the public. So uh, you know anyone can go there. Uh, just at the top of Glenwillin and, and have a walk through. And it's got some interesting history as well um, with the, the mining that happened there as well. Um, but tomorrow we've got our, our invertebrate group, which is a, a group of volunteers who uh, um, look at, study insects and, uh, and identify insects. They've got a session tomorrow um, on uh, macro photography, which for me is a really interesting area because um, a bit like Laura's tiny beetles, uh, insects in general, it's a, it's a it's a tiny but mighty world. Um, and once you get down on that level and look at it closely, it's really, really interesting. And doing it through the, the, the lens of a camera is a, is a great way to do that. So we've got Jeremy Broom-Smith uh, running a class on macro photography, and that's at our uh, Scarlet Nature Discovery Centre, um, uh, 2 o'clock tomorrow. Um, and afterwards they'll be going out and they'll be practising and uh, taking photos and trying to ID some of the, the invertebrates that they're seeing. And uh, other events then that you've you've got? Um, yeah, so we've got an adults-only stream dip- dipping session at Summerhill Glen. Um, so whenever Dawn, our education officer, does um, uh, stream dipping, uh, it's always with the, the watch group, the kids, um, which is great. You know, it's great for them to learn about uh, freshwater wildlife. Um, but uh, on this occasion, we want to do it with adults and give them a chance to find out about some of the freshwater wildlife that we have. And Summerhill Glen is really interesting. Again, very close to Douglas, and we did have a, a pollution incident there um, last year, uh, which saw all the, the brown trout killed uh, in that watercourse. But we're pleased to say that it's bouncing back. Nature is is doing its thing. It's improving. Uh, and that would be a great opportunity for people to get in there, um, disturb the bottom of the, the stream with their willies on, uh, and then collect some samples and see what's, what's in there. And I've, I've done it myself, and it's very interesting. Possibly uh, my favourite this week is The Joy of Moss. Uh, I don't know if John Moss is aware of this yet. Um, it's not about John Moss. It's about Sphagnum Moss. And, He'll be and very mosses. disappointed. <laughs> I was hoping some free advertising from him. But uh, we've got uh, Andre Doubledam and uh, Sarah Hickey, our um, uh, Wildflowers of Man officer and our Myers officer, uh, basically taking a group of people around Arch Elegant Plantation looking at mosses. And again, mosses is one of those ones, you know, you see it quite a lot and you think, oh, it's just boring. It's that thing that grows in my lawn and annoys me. But actually, it's a really interesting world when you get down on its level and, and see what goes on. There's some really interesting uh, plants in there. And of course, it's what creates our peatland, which as hopefully everybody knows now is a really good carbon store uh, and needs to be protected. So again, better understanding of that is really important. Um, yes, so that's I, on I, Thursday. I, I... On, on Thursday. It's a lot of people won't know we have a carnivorous plant in the Isle of Man, the Sunju. Um, people think of Venus flytrap and exotic stuff like that, but actually we have uh, plants growing here. You can go out and see them in the wild, uh, and they're eating, you know, they're carnivorous uh, eating insects, uh, you know, right before your eyes. Gosh, just insects though. Uh, thankfully, yes, so far. And and is that all the events or is that, uh, no? That there's um, we've also got a, a family wildlife treasure hunt uh, at the Ayers Nature Discovery Centre. That's uh, also tomorrow, Monday, second of May at eleven a.m. until four p.m. People can turn up at any time. Um, we've got uh, wildlife watch rucksacks that uh, people can borrow from the Nature Discovery Centre, and they've got things like uh, binoculars. Um, um, uh, spyglasses and bug pots and uh, and things for for you know our young wildlife explorers to go out and, and see all the interesting wildlife around the airs national nature reserve 
is that the end of the week or is there other more? No, as I say, BioBlitz is the is the cherry on the cake on yeah. the Saturday the seventh for us, and that is very much about launching uh, our online recording platform. As we said before, this is very much about getting data and good data. And obviously, we're going to get that species list at the BioBlitz on Saturday on one day. But we want people to go away and record their sightings more regularly for us. So to help people do that, we've set up a a website, record.mwt.im. And that is a really easy way for people to go on. Uh, They can take a photo of what they've seen. They can get it verified by one of our officers. Uh, You can easily zoom in on a map and get the location without having to understand grid references and stuff like that. Um, And that gives us really good data. Um, there's, There's already really good ways of recording certain species like birds go to Manx Bird Life. Um, cetaceans go to Maxwell and Dolphin Watch, um, but that leaves a, a massive hole um, of other species, invertebrates, plants, trees, all that sort of stuff. So we want people to record those sightings for us. And, and the, the easy way to do that is to go to record.mwt.im and just put the details in there. It's dead easy. And, and having this data is really very important because not only not only is it important for understanding what's there and then understanding how to how to sort of look after how to nurture it um but also uh, things like uh, i'm aware the butterfly uh, species um are being seen on the island that have never been seen as far north as this which then gives an indication of uh, things like climate change um you know so so there's 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 quite a lot to be said for for, for doing what appears to be a fairly um, basic task of of going out and having a bit of fun and recording all these species. Yeah, and, and climate change works both ways. So yes, as we get warmer, we're going to attract more species, certainly bird species, we're going to see more of those. Um, the uh, bird observatory had a, a dusky warbler this week, which is the only the second recording ever, uh, and the last one was in 1970, I think. Um, and that is something that uh, should be in the the far east somewhere. So you know, you can make assumptions or hypothesize, but yeah, uh, climate change is clearly having an effect on wildlife. You mentioned butterflies. Um, the holly blue, for example, uh, relies on a. Um, the fact that the cold frost in the winter kills a, a fungus that would ordinarily attack t- attack its um, its larvae. Um, if we're not getting those frosts, that doesn't happen, so they don't survive through the winter and the species declines. Uh, data is really important. I think the obvious one for me is, is herring gulls. Everyone moans about the number of herring gulls in towns nicking their chips and that sort of thing, but in my own lifetime, which is approximately the last 40 years, uh, herring gulls' numbers have dropped 90%. Um, when you know something like that, it really changes your outlook. Any biosphere engagements in, in, in Manx Wildlife? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of biosphere things. So uh, launching tomorrow on, on Monday is the Young Nature Writer um, of, of the Year competition. It's the third year it's been run. It's sort of started after the first lockdown and you know, recognising that people have been out more when we were allowed to go out and, and stuff. So in conjunction with the newspapers and the Manx Wildlife Trust and for the first time the Manx Ornithological Society, um, we're inviting young people, so under the age of 21, sorry Graham, you're, you're a bit too long there, um, to, to write in about 500 words or so about how um, what their favourite creature or habitat is or how nature makes them feel and stuff like that. Uh, and send that in so they've got from from the launch on monday through till the end of august to uh, uh, get their entries in um and a fantastic sort of prize in terms of banks wildlife trust family membership um and um bird binoculars and guidebooks and things like that 
for, for the runners up. But it's part of a wider thing that's happening across other biospheres as well. So there's actually a biosphere writer competition that runs with, with a couple of uh, jurisdictions, uh, localities in Ireland. So, uh, yeah, really exciting to launch that this week. Um, hopefully it acts as a bit of a maybe maybe some of these activities that are happening during this week will be somebody's little uh, you know inspiration to, to get their, their tail together. Yeah, and the winner also gets their story printed on Ireland newspapers, which I think they is do. great for, yeah. a, for a kid to get their, a platform like that. And then on uh, Wednesday, we've got uh, Dr. Clemency Fisher coming over and she's talking about birds as a cultural image. And I have said, you know, a biosphere is not just about going out and counting things and, and, and naming them, but it's also that whole cultural thing around that. So um, she's the senior curator of uh, vertebrate zoology over in Liverpool and uh, she's coming over to the Isle of Man to talk about some of the work that she's done here and that that includes looking at some of the the, the dusty drawers in the Manx Museum I believe where the, um, she's been advising on analysing bone finds from excavations and things like that so it's that tying that wider history and culture into the whole project. So there's there's really loads to do it's it's great and it's so important to get people engaged. Roger obviously you'll be particularly keen to have uh, people engage with your particular topic. So uh, the more people that can come uh, to your event, uh, the, the the better. Yeah, very much so. Um, we'll be providing litter pickers, which takes the back strain out of doing it. And you know, like for any other activity outside at the moment, springtime, the blossom's out. It'll be a lovely area. It's no longer the back of the moon. It's uh, very much re, uh, re-established green land, beautiful place. So, yes, uh, I would welcome anybody to come along. And, and remind us again the, the, the time of that. that um, the one in Foxdale, Higher Foxdale, is meeting at the Foxdale Heritage Centre at one thirty on Sunday the 8th of May. Um, it'll take about an hour and it's at one thirty. And And how easy is it for groups like yours to actually encourage and indeed motivate people to come out and and, and assist in, in, in the tasks? I think the biggest asset that we have had or, or used is the uh, Facebook page. Um, it's Historically, it's been fairly active. Um, whenever we've gone out for a, a balsam bash, it, there's been a report. But obviously the pandemic's got in the way since. Um, but... Uh, yeah, we, we want to make start afresh and uh, build on the knowledge that people have already got and the enthusiasm, because I, I know there are loads of other people, other volunteers who go out and do it independently on their own. They know what they're looking for. They have been, I don't know, they've been introduced to the idea um, and have taken it forward in, on their own initiative, which is really what I'm interested in people doing. And again, I suppose in terms of the Manx Wildlife Trust, I mean, you you, you are you organise events for volunteers. You've got your midweek muckers and various other things like this. I mean, is it is it difficult? Is it more difficult these days to actually encourage people to to well, first of all, to give to to, to charities, but also to engage, you know, in in terms of their time uh, with uh, with charity um, works. 
I think knowledge is power. Uh, what, what we find with especially the muckers is they work with Trisha, our reserves officer, and they learn more about the reserves and what we're doing and why we're doing it, um, the more willing they are to help because they can see the importance of it. And it, it all goes back to that, that data um, question before is, is if people understand why we're doing things and how important it is, then they want to help. Um, I think... Uh, yeah, financially, it's going to be difficult. We know we're, we're probably heading into a recession now and people have less um, expendable income to uh, to donate to charities. But everyone can give a little bit of time. And even if it's just going out and doing a, a beach clean with the beach buddies uh, or going out with friends in the NEB and, and pulling some Himalayan balsam or going out and recording some species on our Nature Counts website, um, it all helps and it all makes a difference. So, uh, you know, why wouldn't people want to get involved? And it is important that people are engaged with this um, because um, if they're not, uh, governments can reasonably turn around and say, well, actually, uh, this chap down the road, he's got uh, potential for multi-millions of pounds, so we'll just ignore the fact that there's some really important pristine habitat here that's going to be built on. If there isn't that public will there, if there isn't the, the strong sort of view from, from, uh, from the public, it's more difficult to protect uh, the, the, the wildlife that we all enjoy. Absolutely, but I, I go back to what I said before. People are part of nature. Um, we can't survive without it. It's important for our food security. It's important for our mental and physical well-being. Um, so there's so many good reasons to look after wildlife for our own benefit, let alone for the wildlife itself. And, and I suppose Michelle uh, Hayward, I suppose that it, it, that's a, a, an interesting point to explore with, with you. I mean, do, do you think that your Timbald colleagues pay enough attention to things like the biosphere um, the, and I suppose the more importantly than the biosphere status, which I imagine they do take care seriously, is the actual biosphere itself, the, you know, the, 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 the biodiversity that we have in the Isle of Man. Do, do we really properly assess that when we're making calculations about uh, economic decisions you know building new businesses encouraging new uh, um, money into the island um yeah i think i think we do but i think we can strengthen what we've been doing i know there's been discussions about strengthening when you look at planning applications you know, what is the environmental impact of this particular uh, proposal um I've been pushing back lately because we've, we can grant orders to remove trees for buildings to be built, for example. However, there were questions in the House this week about the number of diseased trees. And so we know things like Phytophthora and uh, Chalara are causing, will cause a huge loss and we will see a change in our landscape over the next five or six years where we can potentially lose a significant proportion of our tree line. Um, and so then that kind of leads you around to the logical question of should you be removing any trees for a planning application? Because even if they're not a native species, which normally means we'd go, oh, we don't care because it's not a native species. Actually, any tree might turn out to be a good tree. Um, and so I think there's started to be a little bit of a shift there. Um, I, I know we're talking about the uh, the Japanese knotweed earlier and we've already started asking questions about that and how do you control that? And that needs multiple agencies within government to recognise it's a problem. But the longer we put off dealing with it, the bigger the problem is going to be. And ul the ultimate consequences don't bear thinking about. So at some point you have to make a stand and, and you have to dig in. But I think there is a, a generally a high level of awareness uh, within the House about environmental matters and, and and sometimes i think that that can be the problem uh, there are so many agencies who have a bit of responsibility for certain things that you end up that none of them 
believe it's fully their responsibility, yeah. therefore nothing happens, and uh, knotweed is a, a, a great example of it that. It is, and I think if you look in any of the manifestos of any of us that are serving at the moment, we've all bemoaned the siloed effect within government. And actually I think that is, I, I have seen shifts and that is starting to break down, and we are seeing, I think things like the transformation boards that we've put in to look at things like climate change and uh, they're trying they are definitely bringing government departments together uh, to work on things and i think that openness to work together is is growing and and of course in relation to climate change you uh, protecting the biosphere protecting the uh, incredible wealth of biodiversity we have on the isle of man is is actually really rather important isn't it it is and and graham was talking earlier about you know the, the shifts that we'll see in species and we are starting to see some of that already um so you get to the what can we do to reduce the stresses on our native uh, flora and fauna but equally what's going to arrive here that we weren't expecting and how does that slot into our changing ecosystem there has never been a time in the whole time that humans have been on the planet that the ecosystems around them will have changed so rapidly um Fortunately, we, you know, we have a reasonable amount of knowledge to, to work on and the skills to actually identify that. But it's going to be a really difficult time to predict where species are going to end up and whether they'll even exist on the Isle of Man in 20, 30 years' time. And I, I, again, I suppose looking at the environment that you're you're most interested in, the marine environment, uh, in your sort of personal capacity at least, um, you know, the opportunities potentially are going to be there if the seas warm up the fish will grow quicker um there the may be um opportunities in the future no warmer sea holds less oxygen in it so actually you tend to see that um it's a perverse thing if you if you go and look at the same starfish as we have here but look at them further north they will be larger considerably larger because the great level of oxygen in the water and the reason that you tend to see in tropical waters the life concentrated around the surface reefs is that that's about the only place that it it can take it so we we run the risk of as seas warm up that we will lose species around here we will also see species that are warmer water species moving their way further north um, and so we'll start to see them at the you know occasionally we see turtles uh, this far north the leatherback turtles and stuff that will become a more commonplace observation as the seas warm up but as i say there's there's less oxygen in in warm water it's not a good news story for the sea and acidification as well yeah yeah and the, and the extra carbon dioxide dissolves the shells on crabs and lobsters and mollusks and that makes them more prone to predation so yeah that shifting environment's not a good news story Laura, I mean, what is your sort of daily? Uh, what 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 em- employs you during the the, you know, the the rest of the year when it's not Manx Wildlife Week? What 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 said? What are the big issues that you you tend to be uh, tackling? Uh, so my primary expertise is working with museum collections. Um, I uh, have to provide access to um, what the lovely taxpayer helps us um care for um so um yeah everyone everyone helps to pay my wages so thanks everybody um and so what do i do uh, i work with other government agencies other government ng um other local ngos working on projects so for instance we recently did um, a really lovely exhibition on extinction with max wildlife trust so um, their agri-environment scheme dave bellamy and i um, work together and um, and it's lovely and it's still around if you want to go and have a look at it uh, it's really interesting and it kind of shows how even in real time we are losing species but that there are lots of good news stories too if we really want to put some effort into it we, you know so things like the max shearwater we've 
bought, brought back from that I think that they were not found on the calf of man at all and now I think that the um, it numbers in like over 600 pairs so that's an incredible success story so it's kind of um, a great warning of like what's possible but what it can also be accomplished um, and humans are kind of have that seesaw effect of can do amazing things and terrible things um, but then I also care for our collections so um, as everything is dissolving over time entropy and so my job is to try and make those collections last as long as humanly possible through um, understanding what um, breaks them down and to try and uh, slow those down as much as possible so that's looking out for pests um, making sure that they're cared for properly uh, but also so that uh, things that can be found and um, studied so for instance somebody may come to me and say I've noticed that this species um, is becoming less frequent. I would love to know if we have any um, in the collection and I can look at the historical distribution of where these things might have been found because maybe we want to do a conservation project and we would know where to start um, maybe putting them back to help them recover. Uh, so there's lots of things that our um, uh, collections can help inform in real time, not just on history. Um, but also education. So I work with our education department, um, you know, helping to uh, teach kids um, about their local environment. So we, we've had kids like the QE2 come in for their biodiversity week and, you know, we talked to them about extinction. So that was linked to our exhibition. So, yeah, all sorts, um, working with lots of other um, other groups and also working on the collections and providing access to what we have. Roger, um, you you may be in, in a position here as the only person who, who, who can perhaps give an independent assessment. Does government do enough to protect uh, the uh, biodiversity on the island? That's uh, an enormous question. <laughs> From my experience in my field, uh, no. Um, I, I've been trying to do this for the long... Well, I, I, I've been interested in this subject ever since I came to the island, which was about 30 years ago, um, and to have watched Himalayan balsam and Japanese knotweed uh, take hold and um, s spread as widely as it has is disappointing. Um, I've managed it on my own land or my family's land, um, and the frustration of managing it on your own land only to have it reinfested from upstream um, is soul destroying and my experience has been as you alluded to earlier on that one department of the government is not talking to another well i, I don't want to finish on a on a pessimistic <laughs> note so uh, i suppose from each of you uh, maybe a, a finishing thought uh, as to why uh, people should get out there and go to these events and support Manx Wildlife, starting perhaps with uh, Graham. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I would say if you can only make one event this week, make it the uh, the Bioblitz on Saturday the 7th in Gradle Glen. Even if you're not interested in wildlife, our artist-in-residence, Claire Payne, is going to be there all day. Um, and she will be doing some collaborative art projects with Pebbles on the Beach and leaves etc in the woodland but also you'll get an opportunity to do your own personal watercolour and take it home with you so why wouldn't you want to do that uh, roger it's a wonderful time of year go out anywhere by the waterside is generally a beautiful place so educate yourself and enjoy your environment and laura 
Uh, well, there was lots of events that I didn't have a chance to mention, so I, I should try my best to cover them all. And if I forget anybody, please don't shout at me. Um, so uh, we have the Manx Bat Group. Uh, they're going to be doing a bat walk. Uh, it's always super popula- uh, popular. Uh, then we've got um, the Manx Footpaths Group. Um, so they're doing um, a walk. So if, if you just want to go for a walk um, and you don't, want to do you know involve in anything else i mean that they will have somebody with them and, and that can you know do a nice talk about what's going on but then we've got um one of the airs officers uh, they're going to be doing a walk up at the airs and you can have a look at the the wildlife up there with somebody that knows loads about it oh um maxwell and dolphin watch are going to be doing a sea watch um and so that's uh, you can go down to the sound and um they'll lend you some binoculars but please do take your own if you have them and you can look for wonderful cetaceans in our seas um oh yes so um tim earl who's a really knowledgeable um, ornithologist um he's going to be doing a birding walk in langness um and so uh, he's going to be helping people identify seeing what they see when they go out and about i would also kind of encourage things about the accessibility so for instance like the talk that the biosphere talk that's at the manx museum so this doesn't have to be people that are able to go out and about and go on extensive walks or anything like that. Um, you know, even if you your mobility is quite restricted, there are still events that you can go and enjoy and um, just have a look at our website because that they'll give you some information about um, what's possible for everybody. The last words to uh, Michelle. Um, I think we come back to Graham's point earlier. You have to recognise that we live within this environment and and. Uh, Laura's point, you know, all of the species that are around us contribute to the environment we're in. We might not understand how that contribution works, but it certainly does. And the reason that we are able to enjoy such a fantastic outdoor environment in the Isle of Man is accumulation of all of that ecosystem and, and man's influence on it. And so I think it's almost, why wouldn't you want to understand a bit more? Why wouldn't you want to get out there and enjoy it? And and, and as Laura said, even if you do have restricted mobility, there are events on here that, that you can still access and you can still get involved in. You can find out much more about Manx Wildlife Week by visiting manxnationalheritage.im and visiting the What's On page. There's some great events planned, so get out there and enjoy the natural beauty of our island. That was Perspective. I'm Phil Gorn. Goromayus and Thanks for listening.